You're listening to the Assembly of Yahweh Sermon Podcast, recorded in Cisco, Texas. For more information, please visit hallelujah.org. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning. You know, there's a lot more to being healthy than just not being sick, I've discovered. And as you get older, you'll figure all that out, but you young people probably don't know what I'm talking about, but there is a lot more to health and just not being sick. And I, I also have something that I'd like to impart to you that it is not easy to be a believer, but it's real easy to start. And I would like to remind you that we are in a marathon, not just a sprint. And so let's remember that as we face life each and every day, that we are in a marathon, not a sprint. And when I say that, my topic today is accountability or responsibility for our lives. And uh, the word accountability means the concept that every individual is responsible for his or her own actions. You know, we have been given, we have been given wonderful laws from our Heavenly Father to go by so that our society will work better. And that is the why we have police and uh, marshals and federal agents to impose accountability on people who refuse to impose it on themselves. You know, we have, uh, if we impose accountability on ourselves, then we don't need other people to do that for us. But our society, I think, more and more teaches us to blame others for our problems, whatever our problems might be. You know, the easy way out is to blame our upbringing or our parents or our spouse or the police or the company we work for or anyone but ourselves. One by the name of Mary Long says, probably the hardest lesson that I've ever had to learn is to place the responsibility for my actions and reactions to people and circumstances solely on myself. To stop blaming others, our fate, our genes for my plight. I will never break free unless I admit to myself that my peace, my joy, health, and success begins with me. To blame anything or anyone other than myself is strictly a cop-out. You know, Daniel Webster was asked at some point in his life, after he became a great man, they asked him, what is the greatest thought that can occupy a person's mind? And his reply was, his accountability to Yahweh. And I think that that is where our society has gone wrong. We have lost our accountability to our Heavenly Father. I read a comment from a man who visited a prison with some of the most hardened criminals in the country. And... uh, His thinking went like this. All these men could have been leading happy, constructive lives in the free world instead of wasting away in prison. And so he began to realize what is the difference between those people and the people that are doing just that, living constructive, peaceful lives. And he came to the conclusion that it was their refusal, refusal, refusal to accept the fact that every act has a consequence. And we are free to choose what we do, but whatever we choose, we must accept with it 
the, the inevitable resulting condition or effect that goes with that choice. And he went on to say, no one ever beats the law of cause and effect. The laws of nature are changeless and irrevocable. As you sow, so shall you reap. And you know that's from Galatians. Paul wrote that, and of course he wrote he he probably take took that from the Proverbs or some of the more ancient writings because they said something very similar to that, but maybe not quite as well spoken as that. So let's remember that every action that we have, every every interaction with other people that we have cause a reaction. And so we can choose a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times we can choose how what our effect will be by what our action is. Uh, some of the things I'm going to be speaking about today was from a book by Henry Cloud and John Townsend called It's Not My Fault. It's a very interesting book and uh, something I think all of us have said those words at some point in time. Roger may not have, but all the rest of us have said that, that it's, that's not my fault. And uh, also, uh, some of the things I'll speak about today I got from Andy Stanley. He's a very interesting speaker that some of you may have listened to some. And the blame game is where we shift over our responsibility to others by blaming them. It may be our responsibility, but by blaming others, we have, you know, we try to get away from the blaming ourselves. So we find someone else to blame so that they can take over our responsibility. And where there is irresponsibility, there is always blame and conflict. And that was one of these men's thoughts, not mine. And I, but I did. Once I read that, I began to think about that, and I believe that's a true concept. That where there is irresponsibility, there is always blame and conflict. And we were created to be responsible or accountable. Let's begin uh, reading in Genesis. It's one of the easiest books to find in the Bible. It's the very first one. So let's go there to Genesis chapter 2, and we'll begin with verse 15. And Yahweh took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and keep it. And Yahweh, Elohim, commanded the man, saying, You may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Then Yahweh said, It is not good that man should be alone. I might point out that uh, in verse 17, that was the first promise given to man. He promised them that if they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that they would die. And then in the, very, in the next verse, he names something that's not good, and that is that man should live alone. So he goes on to say, and I will make him a helper fit for him. So out of the ground, Yahweh formed every beast of the field and formed every bird of the air and brought them to the man so that he could call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The men gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the air and to every beast of the field. But for the man there was not found a helper fit for him. 
So Yahweh caused a deep sleep to fall upon him, and when he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up his place with flesh. And the rib which Yahweh had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This is at last bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. So we find that Yahweh gave man responsibility. Also, if we turn back, I believe it's in uh, Genesis 1 and 28, it gives you a little bit more of what this responsibility was. And Yahweh blessed them, and Yahweh said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. And he, he goes on to say that he was, you know, Noah's, he was to have dominion over the earth and all of the animals of the earth. So he was given responsibilities from the very beginning. And uh, let's continue here in verse th- in chapter 3. Now the serpent was more subtle than any of the other wild creatures that Yahweh had made. And he said to the woman, Did Yahweh say you shall not eat of any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But Yahweh said, You shall not eat of the fruit tree of the, in the midst of the garden, neither shall you t- touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You shall not die. For Yahweh knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like Elohim, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the sound of Yahweh walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of Yahweh among the trees of the garden. But Yahweh called to the man and said to him, Where are you? Now you can be assured that Yahweh knew where these men, this man and woman was. He could tell where they were. But he gave them the honor of asking this obvious question, where are you? And he was speaking probably more, not just their location, but where were you spiritually in, this, in your failings? So he asked this man, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of thee in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And Yahweh said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree that I commanded you not to eat? And Adam said, Yes, I did, and I take full responsibility for my actions. (laughs) So do to me as you will, but leave Eve out of this. She is innocent. And so, you know, we have a long heritage of the blame game, as it were. Notice how it actually reads. And Adam said, the woman whom you gave to me, he immediately not only blames his wife, but he starts to blame Yahweh as as well. The woman who you gave to me, 
She gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. And then Yahweh said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I ate. And so it's interesting to me that, that Adam blamed, it, blamed his wife, and she was to blame. That, there's no doubt there. But he was to blame as well because he, had, he was supposed to be the leader of his home and his household, and he did not keep her from that indiscretion that she caused. But he blamed her, but she was nice enough not to blame him back. She blamed the serpent, which was also a true. That was also true. But it's interesting to note that, you know, an argument between a man and his wife started way back there. And so we're kind of, we still haven't gotten very far from that. You know, we're still, we still have some of that going on in our marriages today. But as I said, Adam was the husband, and he was the responsible one there. He should have been responsible for his wife and have protected her from the serpent and the tempting that, that he put her through. And so it might be asked, where was Adam when this was going on? Where was he? Was he taking care of his family the way that he should have been? And it's also obvious that when she brought the fruit to him, that he had an opportunity at that point in time to be responsible and to be accountable. He also knew what the commandment was, and he failed just as she did. Again, I would point out that we have been created to be responsible. You know, when a father takes responsibility for his uh, wife and children, his family, the support and income and protection of that family, you know, that we feel good about that. You know, most men feel that that's their responsibility and they feel very good about doing those things. Just like when a mother, you know, she's responsible for the children and she, uh, she feels good about taking care of those children. You know, there's times that she don't. You know, there's times that it's not... It's, it's such a drag and such work that it's not fun. But she, at, the, at the end time, I mean, at the end of the day, she is proud of the fact that she's responsible for those children and she's taking responsibility on herself. And so the weight of responsibility is a clue that you were created by Yahweh and that you... Uh, have been given responsibility because that is we found from the very beginning we've been given responsibility and if you read throughout the Bible you will find that we have all we always are responsible and have that responsibility here's something I'd like to ask you if you what's your thought here I've never I've never met a happy irresponsible person think about the most irresponsible person that you know and, and think about are they happy or not happy I might be wrong about this but it seems to me like that that irresponsible people are not happy people the only problem is none of us believe we're irresponsible and so we'll have to judge for them not ourselves, I guess so we find that when there's irresponsibility there's also blame and conflict and there's always shifting blame to others. And irresponsibility always leads to conflict. 
You know, we're responsible for our life, for our job, for our family, for our world. And if we begin to be responsible in all those areas, then a lot of the conflict that we have in our lives will clear up. And I really believe that that is a true statement, that that will, that will solve most of your problems if you become responsible for the things that I've named there. Let's, let's turn to Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. It says, Do not be deceived. Yahweh is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all men, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So if we have opportunity, we should do good to all men especially to those of the household of faith. But Yahweh is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. You know, that is a, uh, this is a rule that Yahweh put in place. I believe this is like a a natural law, so to speak. And uh, people reap what they sow. And it's a law, it's a rule of nature. It's not either good or bad. It's just a fact. This is what happens if you do this thing, certain things follow. And it's like when you take, uh, maybe you take seed of, uh, of some kind of weed out into a field and you plant those. Well, what do you, if you want to just get it down to the very essence of what he's saying, what do you think will come up from the soil? We probably expect weeds to grow from that. If we take good seed or wheat seed, for example, and you plant them, well, then something good, some good product should come from that. And that's what he's saying. Whatever we sow in this life is the very thing that we will reap. You know, if we make bad choices for a time and then turn and make good choices, we are still reaping from the things that we sowed earlier. We can't escape those things. There's still an accountability. There's still some, something to be paid for because you did not sow good seed from the very beginning. And sometimes, you know, the things that we've sowed, for example, again, if we sowed tares or weeds, and then later we understand that that's not the way to live, and we begin to live a, a righteous way. We, and so we've sowed wheat, for example, in our later life, the problem is we still have a lot of those weed seeds that grow in right along with the wheat. There's still a mixture there, and there's still a payment to be made for those things that were done wrong. So if in an earlier life you did the drugs or alcohol or had sex outside of marriage or maybe a child was conceived and you lost your relationship or you never married, maybe you got in trouble with the law, maybe you had some jail time, or now you're on probation. Now you're a single mom or a single dad, and you have no kit, no car or a home because of the lifestyle that you chose at that particular time in your life. And then out of all this, 
you decided to change the way you were living and you begin to do things the right way and to do things that would that would uh, bring about righteousness in your life you still have a penalty to pay for those things that you did in your in your former life and sometimes those things from the age of say 15 to 25 so taints our, the rest of our life that we can never fully overcome those things and that is a great travesty that sometimes young people and not only young people sometimes people of whatever age do things that are so severe to the rest of their life that they are paying that penalty of what they sow they will reap for a long long time so I encourage us to to understand this concept 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 says for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Messiah so that each one may receive either good or evil according to what he has done in the body. You know, as I was pointing out earlier, we have, a, we, we have responsibility in this life. And I read this account of a young man questioning a lonely old man. And it, he asked him, what is life's heaviest burden? And the old man answered, sadly, it's when you have nothing to carry. You know, sometimes I find that that, you know, when people get to a certain age, they begin to feel that way, that they have nothing to carry, that they are, they've lived their life and there's no one that needs them and no one that cares for them. That's one of the society's failings Used to people, the, the families, and generationally lived in the same household or in close uh, proximity. And so everyone had a place, everyone had an opportunity to pass on their knowledge and their wisdom, even at a great age. And some of that has changed now where that some of the older people do not have a burden or a, a responsibility to carry. And that indeed is a great travesty as well. James, did you put that picture up? This is a book written by Hillary Clinton. And she was, uh, I think, not only her, but the whole Democratic Party, I believe, has made a great living off blaming others. And they still do that today. They all have groups, and each one of them has a long list of reasons why they can't succeed in America today. And it's, uh, it's a travesty that everyone wants to blame everybody else for their own failings. And so I find that that's something that she did. That's why I lost the election. Did you notice that she asked a question and then right below it she answers her own question? But I don't think she thought that was the reason. I think that she thought it was some other reason. You know, it's real rare when someone steps up and says, I'm to blame for what happened. And something I'd like for you to realize is that it may not all be your fault, but it, you're still responsible. You are still responsible for whatever's happening in your life. You're responsible for family, for job, 
maybe for a division in the company that you work for, or maybe your company. Again, it may not all be your fault, but still, you are responsible. Have you ever had any more respect for someone when they blame their way out of something? You know, they just they just kept blaming other people, and after a while, they did actually extricate themselves from the problem that they had, and they had moved this over and gave that responsibility for someone else. And did you have the thought, "Wow, you're a super blamer," or something of that sort? Or did you think, I want to hire that person or promote that person? They're such amazing blamers. I wish I could be like them. You hardly ever actually do that. You know, that's probably not something high on your priority list if you're a manager of any kind or if you're even looking for someone to marry at a young age, maybe. That might be something you should look for as well. And, you know, as long as we're always blaming someone else and not taking responsibility, we'll never reach the potential that Yahweh wants for you. And again, I will repeat that we were created to be responsible. Matthew chapter 25. I want to read there some. Begin with verse 14. And uh, all of you remember this parable. But, man, this is a good parable. And there's just so many things that can be be said about this. Matthew 25 and verse 14 is where we'll begin. For it, will, for it will be as when a man going out on a journey called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one talent. To each according to his ability. Then he went away. Now, something I might point out here, this may have been pointed out before, but it just stands out to me. This is, you know, the story that Yahshua was telling, was not, it's not a true story. It was a parable. It's not something that actually happened, or at least we don't know that it did. But he was telling a story, and he gave an example here so that we could understand a point. And... But he, he's, he, when he said this story, he, he made it big enough to be interesting. Like these five talents. That, in today's money, that's like $2.250 million. That's two and a quarter million dollars is what five talents adds up to. And the guy that he gave two talents to was $900,000 in today's money. And so the guy that just took his money and didn't do anything with it. The one talent guy, that was $450,000. And uh, we'll find in the story that he just kind of went and buried it in the ground and, and just let it sit there. And uh, it was, it was, if it was gold, and it said it was, that would be like 23 pounds of gold that he just buried in the ground somewhere and covered it up and left it. So anyway, let's continue with the story. But it, it, whenever the, you realize how much money we're dealing with here, it makes the story more interesting, I believe. So he who received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made the five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more, but he who had received the one went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. 
And you'd think what it amounts to with each one of these first two guys doubled the amount given to them. So now instead of 2.25, we've got four and a half million dollars. This one guy is, and the other guy has uh, what 1.8 million. And so you think, well, how could he have done that so quick? But notice what it says here in verse 19. It says, now after a long time. The master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he gave them plenty of time to do their work. You know, in our life, we're, Yahweh gives us plenty of time to do our work. We have normally, there is exceptions to this, but normally there's no excuse for us not having time to do our work and do something with the talents that we've been given. And after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward. Bring the five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And so uh, these talents that we're looking at, you know, there's, there's a lot of things you could, these could represent, I'm, I'm thinking. But, you know, one thing uh, that could represent the, our approach to life, that could represent our family and our business, how we approach our spiritual life. What do we do with the, the spiritual life that we've been given? Everybody has given a spiritual life. Some people make five talents more with it. Some people make two talents more with it. Some people don't do anything with it. We've all seen those people that, were, you know, as we, when we were born, we were given everything that we need to succeed. Not only in business or in making a living for your family, but in the spiritual as well. And, and there's exceptions to all rules, but this, I'm just painting with a wide brush here. But we have been given the opportunity to do something with our life and with our talents. Of course, a talent, you know, I'm speaking of two different kind of talents. The talent that this spoke of was a, a designation of a money or of a weight of money. And uh, what I'm speaking of is we also have talents, you know, like I can dance or sing, you know. So there's other talents that we have been given to do something with. And so we must, uh, we must be responsible and not blame others for the circumstances that we find ourselves in. Again, that is so important that we understand that no matter if we blame others, we are still in the same circumstance. And unless we do something about our circumstance, we will never be relieved of a bad circumstance. We are the only ones that can change our position in life or our spiritual approach to the kingdom. Whatever it is, we are the only ones that can change that. But I would read here also the, uh, I would point out also this guy, I'll, I'll point this out to you, back here in verse 16. He who received the five talents went at once. That sounded like that he got right on it, don't it? Sound like that he did it right now. He didn't procrastinate. You know, that's the, that's the greatest killer of productivity in America today is procrastination. But you notice this man, the guy that was voted most likely to succeed, 
he went at once and began his chore and, and began his job. But I also, if, if you read the rest of the chapter on down, uh, well, I will read some of it. Let me read some of it. And, uh, and he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who has received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not winnow. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reaped where I did not sow and gathered where I have not winnowed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at coming I should have received that was mine with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who has not, even that which he has will be taken away. And then notice the sadness here in verse 30. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness where men will weep and gnash their teeth. You know, we will be, as I read in the second Corinthians, we will be rewarded for what we do or do not do. And that I think that we need to be mindful of our spiritual reaping here. What are we doing with, with the life that we've been given? Are we bettering this planet or are we making it worse? You know, if everybody tried to make this planet a better place to live instead of a worse place to live, it would be a good place. But most people don't even consider that. They don't think about that. That's not high on their priorities. They do not feel responsible for this planet that Yahweh gave to Adam and Eve. I guess that I have a different part. I have a whole other chapter of this sermon, but I think that I will just stop at that point in time. And I will once again remind us that we are responsible for not only where our life is going, but for those around us. And it's, it's also, I find this to be interesting as well, is that whenever we are irresponsible, somebody around us is paying a price. So remember that, that it's not, you don't just affect yourself. And you're not an island, you're not the Lone Ranger. There's other people that's going to be hurt by what you are not taking responsibility for. And so, again, I would ask, what are you doing with what you were born with? And what are you doing with the, the talents that Yahweh gave you? Are you satisfied with what you're doing? And are you responsible in the life that you've been given? And are you doing it the way that Yahweh would be proud of you? So he would say, well done, good and faithful servant. Thank you.